Welcome to Torat Imecha, Nachyomi, with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Leah Herzog, and today we will be studying Sefer Amos, Perik Vav, the Book of Amos, Chapter 6. The tone of Perik Hay, Chapter 5, swings back and forth between anger and longing. Hashem is gearing up to punish us and rejects all of our sacrifices and other sacred rituals. Social injustice is rampant, and by now, even the righteous have been scared into silence. The people practice Avodah Zarah, idolatry, alongside Avodat Hashem, worshipping Hashem, and their sacrifices are empty offerings, devoid of any true intentions. Nevertheless, Amos conveys that there is still an underlying sense of love and longing. And Amos is telling B'nai Yisrael that there is still time, that Hashem wants us to repent, specifically in the area of social justice and treating the poor properly. The incentive is both simple and profound. In repenting, in rebuilding a just society, there will be life and all the blessings that can come with it. The destruction, devastation, and exile can still be averted. On the other hand, if they don't take heed and repent, divine punishment awaits them, and with all the physical trauma will come a total loss of any sense of security and stability. Perik Vav, Chapter 6, begins with a new opening call, Hoi! Hoi hashananim b'tzion v'habotchim behar shomron! O oh, you who are at ease in Zion and confident on the hill of Samaria. The word hoy is an onomatopoeia and has no intrinsic meaning. It is just a shout, a sound meant to startle and get one's attention. One can easily hear Amos and Hashem's frustration and growing desperation. The Navi knows that calamity is approaching, despite the seeming stability and the veneer of peace. He knows that he needs to get through to the people, his people, and get them to see what is just below the surface and how awful it is. It is the job of a Navi, a prophet, to communicate Hashem's perspective of the world, a perspective which is based on the binary of truth and falsehood, to us humans who are mired in the relativity of good and bad. It is nigh unto impossible to convince someone who is wealthy, comfortable, and successful, that he is bad, that his life is unjust, and that his comfort can never be achieved through corruption and sin. How can something so good be so wrong? Pasuk Gimel, verse 3, articulates how B'nai Yisrael are behaving. Haminadim liyom ra v'tigoshun shevet hamas. Yet you ward off the thought of a day of woe and convene a session of lawlessness. The irony of using the verb minadim to ward off is not likely to be lost on Amos's audience. The verb that Amos is using in this pasuk to describe how B'nai Yisrael are putting their heads in the sand is actually a legal term and something that almost only the courts or a sage can do or undo. Nidui is a form of cherem, an excommunication. 
you can't have anything to do with someone who is in the state of Nidui, and that person is literally a wanderer. And we know from the story of Cain that being a wanderer is a punishment that is almost impossible to bear. Thus, B'nai Israel are treating their imminent punishment, their imminent destruction and exile, as if it were in Nidui. They don't want to deal with it under any circumstances. And instead of using the courts and the wisdom of the sages to uphold true justice, they convene courts of Hamas, which is translated by Safaria as lawlessness. And as we have mentioned before, Hamas is the underlying reason for the Mabul, the great flood, when there is a total disregard for anyone else's dignity and property, when no one recognizes that each person is created B'Tselem Elohim in the image of Hashem, and is therefore entitled to the same fundamental rights and decency, the world devolves into irreparable chaos, and Hashem, as it were, has to wipe everything clean and reboot. The driving force for this Hamas is materialism, indulgence, and hedonism to Dionysian-level proportions. This is how Amos describes what life is like for the wealthy in Pasuk Dalid, Verse 4. Hashovim al mitot shem, Visarchim al arsotam, Veochlim karim mitzon, Veagalim mitoch marbek. They lie on ivory beds, lolling on their couches, feasting on lambs from the flock, and on calves from the stalls. The beds of the wealthy were covered with a layer of ivory. This was a luxury usually reserved for royalty. Ivory was extremely expensive, as it was not easily obtainable. It needed to be transported from Africa or the Far East. It was very limited in supply, and took a great deal of craftsmanship to work with. Ivory pins or other adornments were precious and rare enough. The ivory beds are a luxury that rival Ahasuerus's palace. Amos continues in Perikei, verse 5, HaPortim al pi hanevel ki David chashvu lahem kleishir. They hum snatches of song to the tune of the lute. They account themselves musicians like David. The irony is dripping in this verse. You think that because you play the same instruments that you are like David HaMelech. Ha! Hashem has already told you in the last chapter that he despises your music. These harps, rather than accompanying Hashem's beloved psalmist and king, are symbols of excess, of laziness and lassitude. This pasuk conjures the images of Greek and Roman revels, which could last for days, or of Ahasuerus's party, a far cry from what the Torah considers simcha, or religious joy. Amos further delineates the obscene excess in Pasuk Vav, verse 6. Hashotim b'mizrakei yayin v'reishit shmenim yimshachu v'lo nachlu al shever Yosef. They drink straight from the wine bowls and anoint themselves with the choicest oils, 
but they are not concerned about the ruin of Joseph. To paraphrase a more famous quote, they fiddle while their kingdom is burning. And even though it may not be burning yet on the outside, there is already a bonfire blazing from within because of what the rich are doing to, rather than doing for, the poor. And the conflagration of destruction is growing ever closer. And they don't see it. And they don't want to hear it. And they simply don't care. And since B'nai Israel have turned their backs on justice and on the poor, Amos tells them in Pasukhet, verse 8, that Hashem has sworn to turn his back on them. Nishba Hashem Elokim Benafsho Neum Hashem Elokates Vaot Mitaeva Nochi et Gaon Yaakov Ve Armenotav Saneti Vihiskarti Ir Umloa. My Lord Hashem swears by his own name, I loathe the pride of Jacob, and I detest his fortresses. I will declare forfeit the city and the inhabitants alike, declares Hashem, the God of hosts. Geon Yaakov, the pride of Jacob, is an expression that refers to Yosef, his beloved son. We know from Sefer Breshit, the book of Genesis, that Yosef was Yaakov's favorite son. On a simple level, it is because Yosef was the long-awaited-for child from Rachel, the woman he loved best and worked for longest. The Malbim, basing himself on various Midrashim, explains that Yaakov's love for Yosef wasn't only because of his mother. Rather, Yaakov saw that Yosef was someone special, the one whom Hashem had marked for greatness, and that his legacy would be special. Yosef's dreams only corroborated Yaakov's perception, and Yaakov felt that it was Yosef who carried the legacy that had begun with Abraham. Yehuda, Yaakov's fourth-born son, eventually earned his right to royalty, but Yosef was already born with it. And as we mentioned previously, it is on Yosef's son Ephraim whom Yaakov bestows the blessing of majestic rulership. So when Amos talks about the pride of Yaakov, he hearkens back to the time before the sale of Yosef and the descent to Egypt and all the heartbreak and hardship that ensued. And now, because we oppress the poor the way we were enslaved, we will be exiled and have to suffer those traumas again. Amos describes how the entire household will be killed and then the houses themselves destroyed. Kihine Hashem mitzaveh, vehakei habayet hagadol, resisim, vehabayet hakatan, bikaim. The Lord will command, and the great house shall be smashed to bits, and the little house to splinters. On a pshat, or literal level, this pasuk is predicting the destruction of the homes of the wealthy, and, unfortunately, also the homes of the poor. When there is war and exile, everyone is swept up in it. And the Assyrians, who will exile the northern kingdom and wreak considerable havoc in the south, were infamous for their total slash-and-burn policy. According to Abarbanel and Mitsudat David, among others, this pasuk, verse 11, is referring to the destruction of the whole northern kingdom, 
the great house with its ten tribes, its strong economy, and its land, but it is also alluding to the eventual destruction of the small house, the tribe of Yehuda, the southern kingdom. We know, both from Amos and from his contemporaries, that the religious and social justice situation in Yehuda was not much better than it was in Yisrael. In Pasuk Yud Gimel, verse 13, Amos returns to where the chapter began. Hasmechim lelo davar, haomrim halo bechazkam lakachnu lanu karnaim. Ah, those of you who are so happy about lo davar, who exult by our right, we have captured karnaim. There is so much double entendre in this verse. Lo davar is actually a town on the border of the Jordan River. It was captured by Yeravam ben Yoash, the king during Amos's time, and would have been a source of pride for the people. So too Karnaim, another stronghold. But the meaning of lo davar is nothingness. So what Amos is saying is that you rejoice in nothingness, and you take great pride in having taken Karnaim, horns of plenty, horns of power. And clearly, the people don't acknowledge Hashem's hand in their victories, and their excess and partying are based on emptiness, greed, arrogance, and corruption. In the last verse of chapter 6, Pasuk Yudalid, verse 14, Amos tells B'nai Yisrael that the punishment will be delivered by a foreign nation. Ki hinini mekim alechem beit Yisrael neum Hashem elokei hatzvaot. Goy, velachatsu ethem milvo chamat ad nachal ha'arava. But I, O house of Israel, will raise upon you a nation, declares Hashem, the Lord of hosts, a nation who will harass you from levo chamat to the wadi arava. Levo chamat is a northern bordern town, one that Yeravam had also reconquered and the Arava is the southern desert, the Negev. The enemy will overtake the entire land, from the north to the south, the entire land that Hashem promised to our forefathers and delivered to us through Yehoshua, is about to be taken away, and B'nai Yisrael, along with it, will be lost. Thank you for studying together. Le'ilui nishmat Riva Schwab, Rivka Bat, Alexander Sender